Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everybody. Saturday morning. Rainy Saturday morning on 94 WIP. I'm Glenn Mack, now joined by Mike Sealski. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing wonderful, Glenn. How are you? Nice. Doing nice. Doing nice. Big weekend for sports here. Uh, by the way, we, we expect to be on. Uh, until 12.30, at which point we handed off to Phillies baseball. Phillies against the Nats, the first part of a day-night doubleheader. Kind of iffy right now. I think iffy is a kind way to describe the weather situation in this country right now. Yeah, yeah and we'll see what happens in Washington. You know what they should have done? Tell um, me. Did you, you watch the game yesterday? Yes. They had 26 people in the seats. It, it was. I've seen more people at Little League baseball games than were at that Phillies Nationals game yesterday. You know how uh, in the NFL, when the weather threatens a uh, situation, they'll just move it to a different stadium? Yeah, they should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere, I don't know where. Some someplace where the skies are clear. Yeah. Any, anywhere. Throw it in a, you know, a gymnasium for all we care. <laughs> just but get the, the game in. The big story this weekend, of course, is Eagles-Jags tomorrow. The return of Doug Peterson with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And... um you and I had an interesting talk yesterday. I want to start with that because you described this as a, quote, telltale game. Um, explain what that means and why. So to me, more than any other game the Eagles have played so far, this is going to give you a really good indication of how far they've come from last season. And here's why. We've discussed endlessly the fact that they performed poorly against really good quarterbacks last season, that they couldn't stop Tom Brady or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. So, so far this season, this is the matchup that comes as close to what they were dealing with and couldn't handle last year Mm -hmm. uh, in Doug Peterson, a head coach who knows how to coach offense, who is smart, who can scheme stuff up, and Trevor Lawrence, who I feel like is reminding people this season why he was the number one overall pick. It's like people forgot that this guy was supposed to be the number one prospect since Andrew Luck, since Peyton Manning, your favorite quarterback. Well, last year it was the most disastrous situation you could imagine going in with Urban Meyer, who may go down as the worst coach in the history of pro football, and they were 3-14 and last year. And he, Right, his rookie season was a disaster. I hear you. Doug comes in and kind of gets him back on track. He's looked very good through those three games. They had an impressive win against the Chargers last week. Chargers had a lot of injuries, but nonetheless. Okay. Yeah, I I think it's going to be a really good test. That's even more than as much as we kind of 
looked forward to the Vikings game and Monday Night Football and Kirk Cousins and all of that. And uh, even as impressive as they were last year in beating Carson Wentz, last week, excuse me, in beating Carson Wentz uh, and Washington, this to me, they win convincingly Sunday. And okay, we can we can really talk about how good they can be. All right, I'll give you a uh, I'll give you another arrow for your quiver, and then I'll disagree with part of it. The okay. other part of it that I think will be interesting tomorrow is Mike Caldwell is their defensive coordinator now. Mike Caldwell was with Tampa Bay last year when they beat the Eagles twice. Mike Caldwell has done very well against the Eagles' offense. So. Uh, the Jaguars are a team that is top 10 in the NFL in both offense and defense right now. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. The season is young. I don't think we really know who teams are yet. And it may include the Eagles a little bit, but with Jacksonville, a young team. And here's the thing where I think the Eagles will um, have an easier time of it. Ebb and flow. Jacksonville coming off a big, big win mm-hmm. against the Chargers. Little full themselves. Had to fly across the country to play out in L.A., fly back. I don't know what the weather was down there with the hurricane, but I imagine it was rough in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And then they have to fly here and play. I, You know, I mean... Circumstances are not in their favor. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a rough spot. For yeah, them. I mean, you could be right. I just, looking at it on paper, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is showing everybody who he really is okay. as a quarterback. Uh, and a young quarterback, though. You know, yeah, still, yeah. Still, still susceptible. Come on, Rich, uh, Rich Gannon. Jonathan Gannon, he's all over this. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're the world's biggest Jonathan yeah. Gannon fan. I am not, but we all have to be impressed with what uh, they did last week against Washington, what they did against Minnesota, and you know the last two games, that defense has been exactly it's, what you want it to be. It, exactly, especially in that first half last week. I mean, that was exactly what you would have thought would happen in harassing Wentz and forcing two fumbles and sacking him however many times they sacked him in the first half on the way to nine in the game. It was uh, it was exactly what you and Jonathan Gannon himself would want to see from that defense. 215-592-9494. By the way, best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports. Where there's a story in every stitch, visit them in their Setter City location or shibesports.com. All right, Mike, now i got a question for you. Um, the Eagles are so much better than they were last year, so much better, I think, than we really expected them to be. Again, we're through three games, and, you know, we're, the old axiom is that you look at the NFL season kind of four games at a time. I don't know where we mm-hmm. work in the 17th game at this point, but... 4.25 four, four, yeah, or Yeah, four whatever. games in the first quarter of the next game, but... Yeah. But I, I kind of believe that. So as as excited as I am, I still want to see more. But, but, Mike. Oh, God, I used to do this to Ray. I'm looking forward, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next 30 seconds. I haven't had the opportunity to do this let, for a Let while. me get my uh, yellow eagle pad and my khaki pants ready. Oh, I have a great Ray story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress and tell you a great Ray story. Okay. So Ray's over in uh, Great Britain. Ray and his yeah. wife are visiting uh, Big England, Ben, Scott, Wales. <laughs> yeah, all, all that stuff, right? Look, kids, Big Ben. And... When he comes back, he has uh, he's going to be given a speech. He's got some whatever. And he decided on the long flight, he wanted to write his thoughts out, you know, in his beautiful handwriting. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he packed his yellow legal pads in his suitcase and did not have access to it. <gasps> so I have a, I should post a photo. I have a photo of Ray Dinger's. I, I want to guess. Can I guess? Mm hmm. Because you have not told me the story yet. He didn't write the remarks on like the back of the doggy bag, did he? They don't give you doggy bags on a plane, but what do they give you? 
I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was. Air I, sickness. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's what you were thinking. Yes. 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 So Doggy he bags a nice way to play. He wrote his he speech on speech. the vomit bag. I, yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tweet out the picture of it. Oh later. my yeah. gosh. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So Mike Steelski. Yes. We agree the Eagles are way ahead of where we thought they would be so far. Mm -hmm. This is a better team than we were expecting. Mike, there is one and only one correct answer (laughs) to the reason why the Eagles are so much better than we anticipated they'd be. Mike, can you tell me the correct answer? All right, so I would – I wrote this at the beginning of the season, that the offensive line – First and foremost is the reason to think they're going to be good. But the offensive line was terrific last season, and they were a 9-8 and team. We knew that. So to me, this is me just guessing the way you're thinking, I would argue the addition of A.J. Brown and the wide receivers. Mike, you are absolutely correct. Oh, You got it. Uh, I read a piece in of all play, your old paper, the Wall Street Journal, ah, this week. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and thanks uh, to David K for sending it to me, the guy who emailed it to me, and that bastion of sports coverage. <laughs> and it basically it talked. To, it was comparing the Eagles and the Dolphins. This mm-hmm. is before Thursday night when Tua got knocked out. But the Dolphins similarly have been a better team, and it's because they have this explosive passing game all of a sudden. And like the Eagles, they invested heavily in bringing in a new wide receiver. For the Eagles, of course, it's A.J. Brown, and the passing game went from being a liability to a strength. Hertz is averaging 9.4 yards a throw. Yes. An attempt. The receivers are averaging 14.9 yards per reception. They were the most run-heavy offense in the league last year. They made a very, and this is, you know, listen, this is Howie. Mm -hmm. They made this conscious decision, we're going to trade our first-round pick, to get A.J. Brown. This is after they spent their first-round pick last year on Devontae Smith. They're throwing all their chips into wide receiver, and they're on, it's the unstoppable A.J. Brown. It's, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's such a departure from the way they used to think, right? Like how he grew up as a player personnel guy at Andy Reid's knee and Joe Banner's knee. And what were they? what was their philosophy? If I may say it. Eh, wide receivers are irrelevant. Exactly, exactly. We can have James Thrash and Todd Pinkston and Charles Johnson and oh. Torrance Small because what matters is the quarterback and the offensive the shakes line. Here, Mike. Yeah, sorry. Take, we go in the way back machine for those names. Um, but the reverse is true now. I mean, the sport has changed. The offense has opened up because of rule changes and things like that. And this is true around the league. You see teams more and more spending either high draft picks or a lot of money under the salary cap to go get game-breaking wide receivers. And they're, the Eagles are following suit, and it's working. All right. Dolphins uh, go out and get Tyreek Hill after they have Jalen Waddle draft first last year. Mm-hmm. Eagles kind of do a very similar thing. These two teams are two very good teams this year. I don't really want to focus on the Dolphins too much, but A.J. Brown uh, had 224 yards in the first two weeks, added 85 last week. Devontae Smith. Eight catches, 169 yards. You can't stop them. And no, then, then you no. had Quez Watkins, and you had Dallas Goddard, and you can't cover them. And they're throwing to Zach Paschal on third down. Right, Zach Paschal, right. <laughs> you know, pretty and, good. And to me, Devontae is the the interesting factor in that. Uh, and you saw it last week against Washington where an opposing defense has to, absolutely has to, put its second-best cornerback on Devontae Smith. And that makes all the difference mm-hmm. in the world. It yep. really does. Uh, and I think it's 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 something we really can look forward to. 
and it has taken the position of quarterback from something that was very iffy before the season, I don't know if Hurts can do it, and put him in the position where he can succeed. Yeah, it's interesting. I was uh, uh, spending time with friends last night, and we were discussing this over a few drinks and food and things like that, and it became that chicken or egg debate question. You know, is it Hurts or is it the pieces around him? Uh, And what we're seeing, I think, is that under certain conditions, Jalen Hurts can be an incredibly productive quarterback in this league. Going forward, I think the question is, can the Eagles continue to create these kind of ideal conditions around them? That's an open question because they're eventually, and it's becoming clearer and clearer, they're going to have to pay him yeah, to next, keep yeah. him here. Well, we will get into that certainly as the season progresses. Let me sneak in a call here, and then I want to talk about the return of Doug Peterson. Chris in Clinton, New Jersey, what's on your mind, Chris? Hey, guys. How are you doing? All right. Hey, Chris. Uh, so, uh, one quick aside to start, Glenn, I was really excited to do the last man standing pool this year. I always forget week one, and of course I got knocked out right away because the, <laughs> the Niners couldn't take care of the Bears. Yeah, that one took out a lot of people. That's good. I'm not involved in it anymore, but I'm glad you're they're still doing it and that you, uh, well, you're in for a week. Anyway, yeah. what yeah, are you thinking well, about so, today? I mean, um, I, was, I wanted to talk about the run defense against the Jags, but just to... to um, continue talking about the wide receivers. They're two different types of elite receivers. You know, A.J. Brown looks like Leonard Weaver out there when he's trying to get tackled by defensive backs, carrying them <laughs> as an excellent There's protection a, receiver. Talk about a throwback reference. I, I thought Torrance Small was, was a great pull, and, and Chris is coming out with Leonard Weaver. That's awesome. Well, so, I mean, I, I wish Leonard Weaver was around for longer. He got injured quickly. Yeah. He's the last fullback we had, you know? I love a f- good fullback. Love a good fullback. Well, anyway, and Devontae Smith, I mean, I, I don't care that he, got his, he didn't get his, um, his foot down. That catch along the sidelines was one of the best things I've seen by an Eagles receiver in years, you know? So mm-hmm. they're, they're two different types of elite on the outside, and it is, it is the reason that this offense looks different. But for tomorrow, I'm a little bit concerned about the run defense against um, James Robinson as kind of a bigger back and then um, Etienne as uh, a receiving back out of the backfield. Um, I know that they didn't have great run defense against uh, the Lions week one. And then last week I thought Antonio Gibson had a few good runs, and then Carson Wentz would just ruin Mm -hmm. the drive right after that. So I wanted to get your thoughts there. Yeah, look, I think Doug Peterson is still Doug Peterson. And when push comes to shove, he's going to want to throw the ball. And while Robinson and Etienne, as you said, are really good backs and and have been productive so far through the first three games, uh, I think Doug is Doug, and he's going to put the ball in the hands of Trevor Lawrence, and that's what this game is going to come down to. Be interesting to see how the weather affects that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and a lot of a lot of coaches, it's like I don't care if it's raining and thirty mile an hour gales, we're still throwing it. But sometimes that uh, that that does push it toward the run. Speaking of Doug, he comes back next year. Next year. Tomorrow. I don't know what I said next year. He comes back tomorrow. That would be breaking news. Yeah. No, he comes back tomorrow, and um, he got hired to bring a horrible team to respectability. They have double-digit losses in 10 of their last 11 seasons. That's amazing. They've been awful. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week what kind of reception he's going to get. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, yeah. right? Okay. who I've generally respected, said they're going to boo him. No. No, but nobody's going to boo. No, there's absolutely no chance that he gets booed. He's going to get a standing ovation, and he will deserve it. 
because he is the only Super Bowl win coach in this franchise's history. Uh, he was publicly, at least, and privately often, a very amiable, good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people liked him. He ran the Philly special. I mean, let's let's be honest here. This is Doug Peterson is one of the all-time heroes in Philadelphia sports, and I think people are going to treat him accordingly tomorrow. I think so too. And you talked about his relationship with the fans was great. His relationship was relationship with the players was great. Travis Kelsey was on with the morning show. Jason. Jason. Travis Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. I don't know what I'm doing today. Jason Kelsey was on with the morning show uh, earlier this week and talked about how Doug listened to Foles, how Doug was flexible, how this is the essence of Doug Peterson. Let's play that. Doug was awesome, man. Um, the biggest thing that I really loved about Doug was he really empowered his players. I don't know many coaches on fourth down in the Super Bowl, but Nick Foles comes up to him and asks him to run a trick play. You like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, that was kind of who he was. And that was one of his biggest strengths. And I, I really appreciate Doug for being uh, that guy when he was here. And you see it already happening in Jacksonville. I think that's great. And I think it's so accurate. I, I do too. And the other aspect of Doug that makes him lovable, I guess you'd say, to Philadelphia fans is that there's an underdog quality to him, right? He had never been a head coach before. Mm -hmm. He was replacing Chip Kelly, who was supposed to be this genius. And, oh, Doug is only coming in because he's someone who Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman can control. And in this one season, he unfurls a coaching performance that is as good or better than any in this town's sports history. It just is. The reason they win that Super Bowl, to me, has always been the way Doug coached that team the entire season. They were ready for that moment Mm -hmm. because of how daring they had been. Fearless. You know, throughout the entire year. Fearless. And, you know, I remember when he's going to, it's fourth and one at the end of the first half, and uh, I'm not going to put this on Merrill because I think we were all kind of this way, like, I don't know, you know, it's mm-hmm. a good time to go for that field goal, going to the locker room with those points. And most coaches, I think, against Belichick mm-hmm. are going to get too conservative. And Doug, hey, big balls, man. Yeah, that, but that, that's it, Glenn. That's the way an opposing team, when you're facing the Patriots in a Super Bowl, that's the way you have to play, and that's the way you have to coach. And the Eagles were ready for that moment because they had played and coached that way the entirety of that season. I think that's a great point, and I think the other the other part of it is kind of what Kelsey was referring to, which is as as ballsy as he was, Doug also had humility mm-hmm. in that he would listen to the other coaches. Yep, he would listen to his players. He was open to Nick Foles saying, "Hey, this crazy play that we've been doing in practice, mm-hmm. let's run this in the Super Bowl." Um, most NFL coaches, Mike, I'm going to break news to you here. You probably don't know this. Most NFL coaches don't have a lot of humility. <laughs> don't know if you've ever dealt with any of them before. Uh, in your life. I don't know what you're Tried talking to ask about. A question Glenn. in a yeah. news conference and gotten that look <laughs> that we've all gotten in news conferences. The Jim Mora, you don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. Most of those guys, and great, you know, the, the, from the great ones like Belichick and mm-hmm. Parcells and so on, to the ones who aren't great, like Cotite. Yeah, they yeah. they have a general haughtiness um, toward everyone. And I'm not really just talking about the media, although the media is in there. Mm -hmm. Doug had humility. Doug was a guy, which, by the way, I think Nick's the same way. 
Yeah, I do too. And and it serves him well. It does, especially in the modern athlete and the modern state of sports nowadays. I think it's harder and harder for any coach in any pro sport to be the taskmaster that we like to think or some of us like to think a coach has to be. You see a team that isn't disciplined and you say to yourself, oh, well, the, is the coach being tough enough on his team? Is he demanding more of his team? You know, nowadays with money that these players make, with their backgrounds, immersing themselves in the sport from the time they're little kids, being that kind of hardcore coach doesn't necessarily resonate anymore. You've got to have credibility. And the way you build credibility often with the modern athlete nowadays is by saying, yeah, I feel where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand what you're going through and here's how we can work together to make this work for the entire team. And just being a human being. Yeah. NFL coaches have odd lives. They live in their office. They don't, I mean, you know, we've, we've all talked to him from Vermeil. I remember I once did a profile on Joe Gibbs when mm -hmm. he was coach in Washington. And Joe Gibbs used to basically have his PR guy or whatever drive to his house each week and get a cassette tape of his wife telling him what he was missing in the hmm. house and play it on the car as he was driving around practice. And that was how he kept in touch with his family. Yeah, yeah the, old, mean, the, the old story that Vermeil would always tell about the fireworks going off yes. in 1976 during the bicentennial. What, what is the, this about? Yeah, tell him to turn it off. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> Dick, it's the 200th birthday of the country. Right. <laughs> Doug's a guy. Doug's yeah. a regular guy, and I appreciate him for that. One last thing about Doug. We'll take the first break. 215-592-9494. Best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Scheib Gift Sports, um, or Scheib Vintage Sports. Doug was asked this week, I think, I think your um, colleague Jeff McLean asked him, what does he think of the statue of him and Foles at the stadium? Mm -hmm. And he said, never seen it. Yeah. Yeah. You buying that? I buy. There I was buy a statue the, of Mike Sealski somewhere. Don't you think you'd like stop by and take like? I would steal it and put matter. it in the foyer of my house. <laughs> um, no, I, do I think he's never seen it? I'm sure he has seen it. Whether he's actually been to the statue and been a foot away from it and marveled at it up close, yeah, that, I don't maybe mean not. a photograph. I'm sure you saw a photograph as they were putting it up, but. There's a statue of him at the stadium. Yeah. He was there. He was coaching the team when that statue went up. Never walked by and said, eh, they made my nose a little He big. may be fudging the truth a little That's... bit. But the fact that he, let me put it this way, Glenn, the fact that he would say, I've never seen it, tells you a little something about him. Even yeah. Even if he has. Yeah, it does. All right. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. Phillies, Washington, coming up at 1 o'clock today. We will keep you kind of apprised as to whether that game's going on. Oh, coming up, my least favorite part of the show. <laughs> my favorite part of the show. Yeah, what are we doing? Could it be uh, reviewing the status of our stupid football bet? Indeed it is. WIP Sports Time is 1022. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Mike, let us go back to one week ago today. Eagles against the Washingtons. Four minutes into the second quarter. Eagles already up 10 to nothing. Feeling good about it. Tress Way lines up to punt. Way takes the snap. The left footer gets it away. Covey backs up. Now he comes forward, and he muffs it. Now picks it up, and they bury him inside the five. The ball seemed to tail off at the end, and he muffed it, but he saved it. He went back and picked it up. All right, all right, we don't need that. You know what, tail? You know now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Punch tailing off. You in this stupid football Yes! Game. My opportunity to win dinner from you. For those who don't know, Mike Sealski and I made our stupid football bet in honor of Ray Dinger and my stupid football bets over the last 20 years. And I, listen, I set the term so I cannot yeah. complain about what's going on here. Can you do you have it like you can say it quickly off the top of your head? Because there's a lot of components. Yeah, there's a lot of components to it. Basically, it comes down to this: anytime the Eagles do something poorly in the return game, yeah, it's good for me. Yeah. And anytime they do yeah. something good, it's good for you. Yeah, that was a good summation. And in fact, you're up five to one. Yeah. It's, Every three weeks, you're up five to one. This is a Harlem Globetrotters, Washington Generals <laughs> kind of situation here, I feel like. <laughs> oh, this may be that Little League game that gets called in the third inning. Although, yeah. I will say that Michael Clay, the Eagles special teams coordinator, wants to keep you in the game here. Oh, he does, does he? Because... Look at what happened last week. All right. Well, let's get to that in a second. Sure. Let's get to that in a second. Uh, by the way, the bet is dinner for you and me and a couple of our producers. Yep. Basically, it's going to be the producers who work our show the most between now and then. So, Kyle Quinn, incentive for you. There you go. Um, but I'll tell you what, Mike. Okay. If you want to call the bet right now, mm-hmm. right now, I'll take you to dinner at the fast food place of your choice right now. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, I want to, uh, what would be the classy way to put this? Rub your nose in it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so no, we are going to go all 17 weeks with this. All right. Dylan Covey is horrible. Britain. Britain Covey. Britain Covey. Dylan Covey, Britain Covey, whatever his name is. Boy, I've done that three times already today. Didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Excuse me. No worries, Steve. Britain Covey (laughs) is horrible so far. Just looks terrible. And, and it's. Running into tackles, getting killed. He is doing. He's handling. <clears throat> excuse me. The majority reps at punt return. Um, but yes, you you kind of teased it. So last week, Eagles uh, uh, special teams coordinator decided like, eh, maybe we'll try something else. Yeah, and what he's trying is Devontae Smith as a punt returner, which to me speaks to how much of a concern this is becoming for them. That you would take. One of your two best wide receivers, one of your best playmakers, most dynamic players, and put him back there as a punt returner. Uh, because there is some risk there, right? He sure. could he could get hit, he could get hurt. It increases the likelihood that something not so great happens. Uh, he didn't have a lot of experience with it, at least in the NFL in yeah. his brief you career. You try not to have your Pro Bowl players back there, particularly if they weigh about 165 exactly. pounds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. So, but it does speak to 
them looking at this and saying, this is something we got to fix. And it is something that they have to fix because as great as the offense has been so far, we talked about how unstoppable the passing game is, and I believe in the running game. I know mm-hmm. they had a bad game against Washington, but the running game's great. Offensive line is great. Defense has been a revelation the last yep. couple of weeks. Um, the, the secondary is incredible. Slay and Bradbury are number one and number two right now mm-hmm. in uh, quarterback rating against. Yes. In the league. Yeah. Of all cornerbacks. Special teams is awful. They had the, the uh, field goal block the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice work by Aaron Sippas making the tackle. Yeah. And he hasn't hurt you yet, but we saw him last year. I don't have faith in the punter. No, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is the weakness of this team. Yes. The Eagles are averaging. This is kickoff returns. The Eagles opponents are averaging 24 yards a return, which is a lot these days. The Eagles are averaging 10.2 yards a kickoff return. Yeah. And some now in fairness, I'm not saying their special teams have been good. In fairness, some of that is kind of these not squib kicks, whatever you call them, like mortar, yeah, mortar kicks that they're that yeah, the well, Vikings are using against them. But you got to be ready for works. those. Yeah, you got to be ready for it, those. You know, and, and other teams see that that works until you can mm-hmm. prove that you get past that. This is the thing that worries me about the Eagles. The and it's not keeping me up at night, but it is something. Special teams was bad last year. It was bad. Mm-hmm. Not good this year. No, and and it's made worse for the fact that Eagles fans know this. Over time, the Eagles have generally had. Really good special teams. You're talking about Dave Phipp. You're talking about John Harbaugh back in the day. It was always You're not a strength. Putting Danny Smith in there, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. Big Wadigo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, but it, it was always a strength. It was a place in the past. You mentioned that made, Harbaugh. I didn't. Hear. I did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Harbaugh. Yeah, it yeah. made a difference mm-hmm. for this team. And you had guys like Brian Mitchell and Darren Sproles and sure dynamic players who made a difference on on that little side of the ball and. You're seeing the difference now when it's not good. Other than Jake Elliott, the special teams yeah. has been very subpar so far last year and this year. Can't have it. This is and this I'm t- going to lose the bet. Which well, is the more important part? Well, that's, Super Bowl be damned. That's on you. Want to be buying you dinner? <laughs> this is this to me is the most Philadelphia football conversation we could possibly have. <laughs> the Eagles are the last unbeaten I team know, in the NFL, I know, I know. and we're spending seven minutes going over their special teams. Uh, could, uh, two reasons: one, it could bite you in the butt down the road. True. Two, it's gonna. I'm gonna have to take out my wallet. Your butt is already bitten. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? All right, John in Maniac is with us. John, what's your thoughts? Glenn, still looking forward to trying that Merrill and Mike beer at Conchalk and Brewing Company. Hope there's still some left. It is out there. We're going to have it out through the entire football season. Proceeds go to charity. First tee of Greater Philadelphia. And Mike Sealski will give you an unpressured endorsement right now. I endorse all of Conchalk and Brewing Company's <laughs> products. Uh, big fan of their Pilsner, the Ring the Bell Pilsner, and the Merrill and Mike beer is excellent. Oh, okay. Thank Great. You. I like the old Type A IPA, the classic, but yeah, they're all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks. Yeah. But uh, on the uh, so Glenn, you doing the pregame show tomorrow? We are. And by the way, the uh, Eagles alumni guest tomorrow at the tent at noon, Chris Long. Good guest. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, there's one thing I'm looking forward to see. I know you're not going to be on the field, but pregame, I was hoping they would do something for Doug, like some kind of montage on the so jumbotron. Here, here's but, what uh, I expect because okay. I don't think you do it pregame. Um, I think. I'm trying to remember what they did for Andy, and I don't remember, or what they did when Dawkins came back. That was a little different because there was bad blood there. Mm -hmm. But to me, first time out, as you go to commercial or during the commercial, you put up Doug on the scoreboard, you show the Philly special or some other things, you know, Doug on the sidelines with the Eagles. Thank you, Doug. Standing ovation and get it out of the way before it comes back from commercial. That does that make sense to you guys? 
Absolutely. I, th- I think that's exactly how it should happen. I think it probably will happen that way. I would mm-hmm. be surprised if they didn't do it exactly as you just described. Yeah, it. pregame is yeah. pregame is tough because people aren't in their seats yet, and mm-hmm. and again, you yeah. don't want to do it while the game is going on, so you do it in that first commercial break. Yeah, I know, but I think there's like uh, I know what you guys are saying everyone here in Philly loves it, but I think there's some kind of bad blood between it because like uh, basically, I think when Doug left, he basically you know said take this job and shove it if you want me to make those changes. And you remember when Jeff Lurie, right after that season, he did like a post-season review, and he, he never mentioned Doug once. Yeah. So, I don't know. There might be something there. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if that still lingered, John, only because mm-hmm. I don't think Doug looks at things that way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's such a laid-back dude that I, I don't think he would be holding a grudge like that. Yeah, I think, they're, I think they've all come to terms with it. Yeah. It's worked so, out but, for uh, everybody. Correct. Well, hopefully uh, Eagles win and Doug gets his tribute. Uh, I think so. Right? There's no way they don't give him a tribute. I can't imagine it. I can't. Im- He's the only coach in their history to have won a Super Bowl. You have to acknowledge him. You have to give him his props. I heard uh, debate uh, this week uh, on the midday show and John Ritchie, uh, and I think they had Jaws on too. Mm. You know, both former players said, "No, you don't do anything. If the fans want to do something, that's fine." But he's your opponent. You don't recognize your opponent. And I thought, yeah, you do. Yeah, of course you do. I, I, what? What? How's it going to impact the game? It's not the Jags are going to be there like, oh, hey, they're, they're giving a nice endorsement. To Doug. Let's go out and get them. No, I, especially going to hurt you. Especially because you have several significant players on the Eagles who played for Doug Peterson mm-hmm. for a long time. So of course you would acknowledge him. I, I, I'm surprised that John and Jaws would feel that way. I, I am as well. Uh, and so I posted on Twitter earlier this week. Of all, and I know Howard, uh, I think, talked about this kind of thing a little bit today. Of all of the players who have come back, any sport, opposing mm-hmm. uniforms or coach, biggest applause reception. And I, and I got two. Mm-hmm. And if you have another, please add it. To me, the two would be Dawkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fans were really upset when he yes. left. The Eagles screwed that one up and later admitted they screwed that. Banner said, yeah, I screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chase up. Yeah. yeah. With I, the Dodgers. I, they, they, to me, are the two most beloved athletes of the last quarter century of Philadelphia mm-hmm. sports, mm-hmm. I think. And I'm not sure there's anybody else who's close. Um, but Kelsey's, I mean, Kelsey's not a former athlete, but right. he's, he's getting to that Yeah, point. I get it. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I can't think of another one. I don't think Andy Reid, when he came back in 2013, uh, brought that kind of love, you know, inspired right. that kind of love and reception from the fans because he had been there so long. He had never won a Super Bowl. They were just, he, they, the Chiefs came back and played at the link literally Andy's first season there. Yeah. So yeah, they at were the still. the start of the season. Right. And there was this residual. They had just gone 4 and 12. He was finally, in some people's eyes, fired, all of that stuff. Yeah. And he got a good reception. Yeah. But not what we're talking about with the others. Same right. thing with Donovan. We came back with Washington. Everybody, oh, he's going to get booed. Donovan's going to get booed. He didn't get booed. He got cheered. Right. And anybody who thinks, oh, Doug Peterson's going to boot, are you out of your mind? Yeah. It's it's the one thing, look, I, I often point out occasions when Philadelphia fans and Philadelphia sports culture um, – you know, isn't at its best. But I think one of the things that the national perspective and media kind of miss about Philadelphia is how sentimental the fans are and how loyal they are if you have done right by them and their teams. And anybody who's saying that Doug Peterson is going to get a bad reception tomorrow 
doesn't understand the culture here. They Exit question for you. Will the national broadcasters, as the that this great reception for Doug comes, or in any of the pregame shows, tomorrow, the game's on Fox tomorrow, right? Yeah. Will it be mentioned at some point on Fox? Um, CBS, I think. Is actually. it on CBS tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's the Jags are yeah. the AFC team. Right. Okay. Will it be mentioned on CBS from their pregames through Doug's introduction? You know, these people threw snowballs at Santa. <laughs> Um, I don't know if they'll make the Santa Claus snowball reference, um, the laziest, yep. most ridiculous reference in, yeah, in yeah, all yeah. of Philadelphia sports. Probably your grandfather, Mike, because it was 1968. What do you mean? My grandfather threw snowballs at Santa? Well, I mean, it was 54 years ago. But my point is not specifically okay. your grandfather. <laughs> my, my point is that when people still make that reference. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. The people about. who did that are in their 70s and 80s yeah, now. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think somebody will make a reference. I think there will be because there are so many lazy yeah, it'll happen. commenters, so to speak, on those national shows. Somebody will say it. Yeah. 215-592-9494. We'll get your calls coming up and we will celebrate a great, great moment in Philadelphia sports history. Hey, falls upon us. It's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors because another cold winter season is rolling in. Man, I felt it this morning, actually. When I need a company to help me with these home projects, I turn to the great people at Guide Door and Window. Act now. You receive 20% off all windows and doors. Plus, Guide will allow you to start your project today with no money out of pocket. Take up to three years to pay it off interest-free once that job is expertly installed. So here it is. You'll be able to start enjoying all the benefits of new, highly energy-efficient windows and doors, including an increased comfort level in your home, including lower monthly energy bills, and you take advantage of 20% savings, and you have the luxury of paying off your project with 0% interest for up to 36 months. Got to act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Okay. Along with Mike Sielski, I'm Glenn Mack now. Rainy day in Philadelphia. No news out of Washington yet. I mean, as far as we know, they're going to try to get it in. We, you and I were looking at the weather report early. Kind of 50% chance of rain early afternoon. Then it gets worse, so they'll try to... As as uh, I think Scott Fransky likes to say, they'll try to get it in between the raindrops. Yeah, I think there's a uh, as Kyle Quinn, our producer, said, there's a window of about two hours from one to three. Then and they're going to have to try to play the game yep. because rescheduling it is going to be a bear. All right, time for this week in Philadelphia sports history, brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit their new location in Wayne and Lancaster Avenues in downtown Wayne, or at ShyVSports.com. Mike. And this week, the date was October 6th, this week in 2010, was the best-pitched game I ever attended live. Wow. I'll put it to you that way. 
it was the opener of the National League Division Series postseason. Phillies at home against the Cincinnati Reds. Roy Halladay pitching, I believe, the, for his first postseason game of his life. Yep. After all those years in Toronto. Let's go right to the end. Just about a quarter to eight, October the 6th, 2010. The first postseason game for Roy Halladay. He winds the 0-2. Swing and a dribbler out in front of the plate. Ruiz out to get it. The throw from his knees. It's in time. And it's a no-hitter. Unbelievable. Ruiz and Halliday embrace. And the Phillies again celebrate around Roy Halliday. All right, so much to unpack there. Let's first start let's start with the call, which is brilliant by Fransky. Fransky always meets those moments. Always. Mm-hmm. It's it's just great. He sets up the time frame, which by the way, I uh, the great Vin Scully. Um, one of the best calls I ever heard is Vin Scully calling a Sandy Koufax mm-hmm. no hitter that I listened to when Vin Scully passed away recently, and he said, you know, just about a quarter after eight, October the yep. he, he's giving you the moment in history. It's brilliant. L.A. stays out of the way, but can't quite control his, his joy at the end, which it's, is great. I, I, it's, again, something I love about listening to L.A. You, you hear a call like that or the call of the Jimmy Rollins double in the 2009 League Championship Series, and you can hear L.A. celebrating in the background, yep. and it actually adds to the call. Absolutely, it does. Um, and that play by Ruiz was huge because he swings kind of the the – it was. Um, I'm trying to think of who the hitter was. I think it was Brandon Phillips. I, I think, think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. It was Brandon Phillips, and it's kind of like a weird. The ball kind of goes up there, and he throws the bat, and Ruiz has got to go out. He's got to sort out the bat from the ball. He's on his knees. Phillips could run. Mm-hmm. He's got to get it down to first, and he does. Just a brilliant game, a brilliant moment. Yeah, and what stands out about that play in particular was, of course, it's the last play of the game, and if you go back and watch all 27 outs, it is by far the most difficult play that a Phillies fielder had to make that day. Yeah. The, how they struck out 9 or 10, I forget. He was ahead of everybody. And the balls put in play were little jam shots and, and cans of corn. There was one, it might have been Jay Bruce hit that, that uh, Worth, Worth. Yes, yes. <laughs> I almost said Wentz. That Worth <laughs> had to make a tough catch right, in right, right field, but that was it. Yeah, he was so dominant that day. I remember exactly where I was. I was working in New York at the time as, at the Wall Street Journal, and I was covering uh, the division series between the Yankees and the Twins, and I was in the press box at Target Field in Minneapolis, uh. and the entire press box was gathered around televisions watching this you know it's so funny that's uh when i uh first of all i was in the press box here right behind home plate mm. i had like the best seat in the house uh but when halliday threw the uh no hitter against miami mm-hmm. the perfect game perfect game i was in chicago mm. because the flyers were playing the blackhawks in the stanley cup and all of a sudden in the press box everybody there is like you know starting to watch this so you you brought up what i think is one of the fun uh, trivia things i guess you'd say about that year right we we talk all the time in philadelphia about the lack of championships, right? The Phillies win in 2008. It's 25 years. It had been 25 years since Philadelphia had celebrated a championship. The Eagles win the Super Bowl in 2018 for the first time in their history. And if you look at 2010, you might say to yourself, well, gosh, the Phillies got to the finals and lost to the Blackhawks, and the Phillies were really good that that season and lost to the Giants in the championship series. But think about what you saw. A Phillies pitcher 
through a no-hitter in a playoff game. Yep. And the Flyers came back from a 3-0 deficit in the second round yeah. to beat the Bruins. Yeah. Those are monumental events in You're right. sports. You're right. And the Flyers not being cha- in the final that year was a little bit of a shocker. It was. It was. Um, and, you're, and, the, and the finals were disappointed. The way the finals end with sticking yeah. late and God, I <laughs> still hate that guy. Yeah, not <laughs> good. Was, never liked that guy. They, they lost to a better team, though. They, they did. did. They did. They did. They did. Um, the Phillies, I thought, were going to win it again that yeah. year. The, the, the loss to San Francisco was very disappointing. Yes. But you're right. Sports was a blast. It was. It was. And, uh, you know, y- you can sometimes lament what you don't have and miss what you did get to experience. Yeah. And those are pretty two, two pretty cool things. Anyway, that ha- boy Halliday was so good. He was. Yeah. Those we, two, don't, we only had him. F- t- those two seasons, right. 2010 and 2011, man. Um, yep. And you think about that game he pitched in 2011 against the Cardinals where he allows the first inning run in game five and shuts them down the rest of the way and oh. walks off the mound the losing pitcher. Anyway. Raphael for Cal. <laughs> first inning. Oh. I wish all of you listening could see the face that Glenn uh, just made. Is that, that hurt. And by the way, what would he go? 260, 270 innings a year? Yes. Right? Yeah. The last real Double course. digit. He, his complete games per season are now... I heard this recently. Do me a favor. Look yeah. up how many complete games there have been in the major leagues this year. Okay. I will Cuz it is possible that he had more in a season than like an entire league has these days. I I'm looking it up as right. we tell speak. you what, I'll take a call while you look that up. Okay. It's our friend Mitchy Tools. Uh let us get Mitch. How you doing? Good, gentlemen. I, I got to keep calling you every week. They're winning every week and I and I love them tomorrow afternoon too, the Eagles. Yeah, I feel good about it. I tell you guys, it was almost like an old school game. Nine sacks we had. I mean, you know, we don't have to say anything bad about Rich Gannon anymore. My God, it just, you know, it, I, it was, I think Jonathan. Are you Gannon, talking about right? Jonathan Gannon? I mean, I, Jonathan Gannon. That's sorry, right. I did the same thing earlier. It's, an, it's yeah. a natural mistake to make. Delaware County guy. You know, I just, you know, wow, wow. I mean, you know, but question. I mean, I don't want Hurts to run. If we keep getting these W's, he's got to just cool down a little bit. I got to keep him healthy. That's the only thing in the back of my mind. I'm thinking about, you know. Boy, you'd need something to worry about, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Always have to have something to worry about. With you. Yeah. Yeah. But, look, uh, I mean, Hertz running is such a weapon that yeah. it, you're not gonna you're not gonna see him not run. You're just not. Yeah, and the way he does it too, it's so effortless and like a butterfly. You know, just flying over these opponents and stuff like that. You know. It's Boy, uh, happy New Year too. Yes, thank you, Mitch. Same to you. Thank you. So Bye, I've, buddy. Be I, well. I've got the numbers here. Um, Halliday actually didn't throw more than, this sounds crazy, nine complete games in any one season. Is that right? He yeah. never reached double digit? No. And uh, so 2020, which was the shortened season because of the pandemic, each yeah. team playing 60 games, there were still 14 complete uh, games. Then, so then My whole thing. Then this yeah. year, there's got to be more than that. Yeah, 20, but no, 20, I mean, you're... Uh, 35, sorry, by my count. Yes. 35 this year. All right, how many do the Phillies have? Oh, do Two? They have, three? Uh, Noah Syndergaard has one. I do know that, but that's a phony the, one. It was a shortened it, game. Yeah, because of the five, five innings. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Let me see here. Uh, I know Nola's got one. Yeah. No, Nick no, Pavetta's got one. <laughs> Is that are right? We, are we allowed yeah, to utter his does. name anymore? Well... No, not no. He's got one for the for the Red Sox. Right. Yeah. yeah. Man, I've been watching him. So here you go. The Philly recently. The Phillies have two complete games all season, both by Aaron Nola. Yeah. And then okay. the one by Syndergaard, which is fake. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. 
So, yeah, it's it, look to me. Nonetheless, I miss ha- Halliday. I miss Halliday, and I miss, I miss that a- element of the sport. That is that is something that baseball is missing. And I believe in the next segment, we may be talking about that. Sounds good to me. That's a pretty good tease because we're going to be doing what we're watching, and some of that relates to it. Two one five. 592-9494. Check in with Mike Sealski and Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, when you bring up banking, most business people roll their eyes. I get it. I can tell you Meridian Bank customers do not feel that way. Yeah, sure. Meridian business bankers, they do the loan thing. They offer guidance on making your business more successful. But Meridian also puts on great customer events. I've been to them, both educational and social. And they're a super group of people to be around. You want to put some fun in your business banking? Get started at meridianbanker.com. All right. So this week, both you and I uh, have invested time in sports documentaries of mm-hmm. sorts. Uh, I'm watching a series that I'll talk about in a second. You watch it was one part, right? One, yes. One, okay. Yeah. Just one episode, one self-contained kind of viewing right. event. Tell us about it. Uh, so I watched a documentary on Netflix called Facing Nolan. And if you are a baseball fan of any sort, you should watch this documentary. It is all about... Nolan Ryan, uh, the great Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, hard thrower, you know, possibly the hardest fastball in the history of Major League Baseball, um, and just a really cool look at his career and his life. If you're familiar at all with Ryan, and I'm sure a lot of Phillies fans of a certain age are, especially because of Game 5 of the 1980 National League Championship Series where the Phillies came back against Ryan He took a 5-2 lead into the eighth inning, and they came back and won the game in extra innings and went to the World Series. It's just a really cool look at his career, how he pitched, uh, the legends about him, and how much reality is actually part of those legends. There's one part of the the documentary that gets into how fast his fastball actually was, and something I didn't know, apparently, using film and the technology we have now, they estimate that he actually threw at one time, 108 miles an hour. Wow! Which was, you know, I like sat up in my on my couch when I heard that. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh! Um, and it just plays into the whole image of Ryan as kind of a cowboy. Uh, you know, he's into ranching. He's a family man. A lot of interviews with his wife and his, you know, former players who played with him and against him. Just a really cool look at a great figure in baseball i give it three and a half stars out of four. Oh yeah okay yeah just really really fun watch just an amazing guy i i mean i'm old enough to remember as a little kid when he started with the mets yeah 69 he was on those miracle he, mets he has a world, yeah he has a world series ring and he pitched well into the 90s yeah he it's it, and it, it's all that and kind always of cool a horse. stuff. Yeah. Always a horse. All that kind of cool stuff yeah. gets into the Robin Ventura brawl oh, where he beats up Ventura and the Nuggies. Yeah, and Ventura. Uh, <laughs> that's actually the funniest part of the whole documentary is they get into talking about that incident where Ventura charges the mound and Ryan just beats the snot out of him, and then they cut to a blank screen and all the screen words come up on the screen. Robert Robin Ventura declined to be interviewed for this documentary. <laughs> So um, that that was the one laugh out loud moment in the in the movie. And where will I find this? Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. still still running on Netflix. Good time to watch it. Couple Obviously, hours long. About an hour and a half. Love yeah. it. Yeah, All right. really good. I'm in. Big Nolan Ryan fan. All right. 
Uh, what I've been watching is Welcome to Wrexham, which is spelled W-R-E-X-H-A-M. Uh, imagine, Mike Sielski, Ted Lasso meets It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, man. And that's what I'm in. Welcome to Wrexham is. I'm in. Um, except it's a docu-series. And here's the premise. Rob McElhenney um, from Always Sunny and Ryan Reynolds, who's been in every rom-com you've ever watched, decide together in um, late 2020 during the pandemic to buy a British soccer team. Essentially, McElhenney spent the first half of the pandemic locked in watching sports documentaries. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the Nolan Ryan thing is too late, but he, he and he talks about this. He just spent the pandemic watching sports documentaries, and he had this brainstorm that they would buy the worst team they could find in professional sports <laughs> and try to build it up. Wow. And he got Ryan Reynolds to be part of it. They end up in Wales, this kind of gray working-class city called Wrexham, where the team has been gradually relegated to the bottom of the professional level in British soccer. And they kind of show the flow chart from the Premier League to this league to the like to very bottom, and that's where they are. By the way... I love the whole relegation. Thing. Yeah, it is. It's a great I, idea. I mean, it's, it clearly can't ever happen in this country. No, but I would. You know, the Louisville Redbirds are getting promoted, and the <laughs> Miami Marlins are getting relegated. If, if, I'm if in. It, if it actually existed, the Eagles would not be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars this weekend because they right. would have been relegated long ago. The Jaguars. Yes. So they end up in in this town in Wales, and over time. They bond with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, the residents, like, I'm initially a little suspect of two Hollywood stars carpetbagging in their town, but they're very sincere, and the people that come to respect them um, and genuinely understanding the pain these people feel rooting for the, their favorite team, which brings us back to McElhaney, who, um, if you watch Always Sunny, he's an avid Philadelphia sports fan, and in the first episode of of the this series, Welcome to Wrexham, McElhenney comes back to the small row home where he grew up in South Philadelphia, and he brings his dad, and he brings his own son, and he just perfectly talks about what it's like to grow up supporting the Eagles and all mm-hmm. of the heartbreak. And then, of course, they show him at the Super Bowl celebrating, and like, yes, <laughs> we're all we're all in this, right? And that's the show. It's these two guys. Trying over the course of a season, or now into two seasons, to improve this Pittsburgh Pirates, mm-hmm. Detroit Lions, whatever, this sad sack team and make these townspeople proud. It's funny. It's heartwarming. My wife, who could care less about sports, she loves it. Um, it's kind of a reality show, but not really. It's kind of a documentary, except they're more involved than usual mm-hmm. in a documentary. Um, it can be heartbreaking because there's one... I don't want to give away too much. Well, it happens early. You become they they profile this player and his wife and his three kids, and he's working on his house and so on. And it's like, yeah, you really like this guy. And then like the season ends, like he gets cut. Oh, geez. right. So you're you're living the pain of yeah. that, which we've you know seen. But you you see that. Um, listen, it's great. I people know I don't particularly like soccer, but even I got caught up in the drama of the matches, Mm -hmm. which they do a great job of portraying. I want to read you, this is a quote from Rob McElhenney uh, about soccer, which was not a sport that he particularly cared about that much before he did this. Mm -hmm. But now he's watching every game. He goes, soccer, it's a horrible, cyclical, prophetic hellscape that never ceases or ebbs. I love every second, but it's torment in equal measure. Every second is pure agony. Which... 
for so all, many of us is often watching Eagle season. Exactly. If that's not the description of what it's like to be a Philadelphia sports fan, I don't know what is. Yeah. And so you get that, except they've moved it over to this, you know, cloudy place mm-hmm. over in, in Wales. It's on Hulu. Um, they drop episodes weekly. Uh, there's 18 total. I think they've dropped episode 12, which I didn't see, but your colleague Jeff McLean yes. uh, referred to today in his story, because I guess Jeff Laurie and Doug Peterson? I know Laurie. I don't know about Peterson, but Laurie makes a guest appearance mm-hmm. on it. Um, so I, I haven't I haven't gotten that far. Um and here's, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, what you're describing is really kind of a reality show, true life, Ted Lasso. And yeah. anybody who has seen Ted Lasso recognizes the qualities that you're talking about in this show. Mm-hmm. It's And it's what makes Ted Lasso so great to watch. You don't have to be a sports fan. You don't have to be a soccer fan necessarily to appreciate and identify with the topics and the way they're presented. You know? and, yeah, all of that. And again it's in wales but it's got a bit of a philadelphia feeling to it which is which is very cool i said it's on hulu and here's the deal i understand that a lot of people they don't get every streaming service right. they don't want to pay for every streaming service so whenever i do one of these shows i try to tell you this subscribe to hulu for a month two months whatever it's going to cost you 12 bucks a month watch this get it get a pen right now uh get a yellow legal pad write this down watch um welcome to Rexham. Watch the old man, watch the bear, watch the patient. That's four good shows, all new shows. You get them done in a month or two. You get more than your twelve dollars worth. You can thank me later. <laughs> you can you can treat me to dinner with Mike Seals. That's right. At the restaurant when I have to pay off the bet. And there you go. Uh, what we're watching is sponsored by Guide a Door and Window. Receive twenty percent off all windows and doors with no money down, up to three years to pay it off interest free. Call Guide a Door and Window today at one eight seven seven Go Guida or visit them at go g u i d a dot com. All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Good time to get in right now. We're going to talk to our pal Ricky Ricardo in the next segment. Ricky, um, as people know locally, is the Spanish voice broadcaster for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he is also the Spanish voice broadcaster for the New York Yankees, and uh, he had the opportunity to call Aaron Judge's 61st home run last yeah, week. Yeah, hit hit off a pitcher from the Philadelphia area. Um, Why is that right? Yeah, a guy from, uh, from Upper Perkyoman. I'm drawing a blank on okay. uh, his name now, which is ridiculous of me. Um, hold on a minute, I'm looking it up as we speak, but yeah, it joins... Uh, you know Tracy Stoddard as uh, the men who have given up sixty first home runs in the American League. Um, why am I not uh, Tracy Stafford? Matt Bushman? St- Stafford? No, not Matt Bushman. It might be Stollard. I don't Stollard, know. I think. Okay. Um, oh, where are we here? All right. Da-da-da. We'll find. It was on the Blue Jays. That's fine. Yeah, I, I want to work in just a little talk. You had a column. Tim Mesa. Uh, sorry. Go there ahead. you go. You have a column which is out now uh, on the Sixers bid. Uh, to build their new arena, uh, 2031, is that what we're looking at That's now? what we're looking at. And David Edelman, who is the um, kind of uh, the brain of this whole thing, and I found your people should read it. It's uh, in the Inquirer today, tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow. It'll it'll it's online It's online right now at Inquirer.com. Um, listen, it was a great column. You put a lot of work into it. I admire the guy's vision for the city and believe that, yeah, he's doing it to make money for himself. But he also has a sense that there are parts of this, there are parts of downtown, of Center City, which are great, and then you walk two blocks, and then it's not great. Right. I've just always been skeptical that an arena is something that's going to 
that's going to be the cure-all, that's going to be the panacea. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of how I'm approaching this, too. I'm open to the idea that this could work and revitalize at least part of the city, but you have to ask certain questions. You have to ask, how much is it going to cost? Are people going to come to a downtown arena? The Sixers insist that they have data and models that show that a downtown arena will increase the number of people, for instance, who take public transportation to Sixers games. Okay, can SEPTA handle that? And what sort of money has to be spent to assure that SEPTA can handle that? Um, you know, is it really a boon for the economy? There's tons of studies out there that suggest that adding a stadium or an arena doesn't do very much for the economy of a city or a metropolitan area. So there's a lot that goes into this. And uh, while I understand the impulse for people to say, hey, it would be great for the Sixers to have their own arena and it would be great for the city. And so let's get on board. I don't think we're doing our job as people in the media covering this kind of thing if you don't ask these kind of questions and demand answers. from Right. Them. And I I'm, I'm kind of a, a mixed view on this because. I, I listen, I applaud public transportation. But it's really easy to get to the stadiums yeah. now. You're yeah. making it more difficult. You're you're saying it will encourage more people to take public transportation. That's because it's going to become such a damn hassle to get your car down there and park. Yeah. And go to a park. You know, game ends 10, 30, 11 o'clock. People don't want to be walking four blocks to get to their, their car uh, in the dark in Center City. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be a challenge, you're I think. Doing it, you're doing it like, hey, it's going to be good because public transportation will be up. But yeah, you're doing it because people have no other choice. Where it is now, driving to the, the arenas now, the stadium now, that sports complex now, is uniquely easier than it is in most other cities. You know that because you go to games in all other cities. Yeah, and I think it speaks to kind of a divide, I guess you'd say, between people who actually live in the city and people who don't, who live... Mm-hmm. In the suburbs or the towns around Philadelphia, um, where people who live in the city say, oh, it'd be great to go to 10th and Market mm-hmm. uh, and just take the train to get there. Well, OK, if you live in Downingtown or Haverford or Doylestown, it's not as easy to get to an R5 stop. And it's a really I live in Doylestown. It's a really long ride. It's an hour and 20 minutes to get to Center City for on the train because it makes so many stops. And again, and the part that I'm, I'm repeating myself, but where people are going to be conscious of it is after the exactly. game. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, look, double overtime game. That was fun. Oh, now I got to get home. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see. Like, they, Adelman went on the record with me saying they are not moving the team. Like, if this doesn't work out, Okay, but we're going to be out of the Wells Fargo Center when the lease expires in 2031. We will be somewhere else, and we are not moving the team to New Jersey. Now, yeah, Jersey being the, the operative word there. Right. So we'll see. Um, as I said, skepticism is usually warranted in these situations. All right, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being metaphysical certitude, what is your thoughts on the chances that they actually pull this off? Right now, I say 5 or 6. That they ah, do. You're right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's flip a coin at this point. And you have to see how things change. You have to see who the next mayor is. Um, True. The makeup of city council. Um, what measures the Sixers themselves take to get the community around that area behind them. Right. There has uh, been some sense that China, you know, Chinatown doesn't be disrupted. Right. I, I get that. Yeah. And, and the Sixers counter by saying, you know, we're not spreading the area out. We're going to build right on the site of the whatever it's called, the fashion district now, but what's basically the gallery. Um, 
But there's already been goalpost moving. There's been, oh, okay, well, we're going to need the Greyhound bus terminal, too, mm-hmm. across Filbert Street. Right. And, you know, they've said they're going to fund it entirely privately. But ah, if, that's the, if it, somebody ah, wants to here, give us money from the, the state rub. or the city, yeah, we'll take, uh, you know, we'll take it. Things like that. That's, so. the, that's the one that I'm very skeptical, very cynical of, which is, nah, we'll do it all on our own. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, We'll see. That would be that would be unique. Yeah, especially because as as I said in the column, okay, they can say they're going to fund it all themselves, but necessarily there's going to have to be public money put into revamping SEPTA. And so, mm-hmm. okay, well, it, the Sixers aren't drawing that public money, but it's still getting spent right. one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting stuff. Certainly something to watch. I, I appreciate that they don't want to share space with the Flyers. They want their own place. Sure. They want to maximize it. I've, I don't know that that's the spot. Yeah, but here's the the flip side of that too, Glenn. I, I feel like we're you know on the one hand and on the other hand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Wells Fargo Center is coming up on being thirty years old. Um, you know. <laughs> Come on, man. I know. I still remember going to the first game there. I know. The first concert But there. it opened in 1996. It's well, t- it's 26 years well, old. Well, they did just put a lot of money into they did. it. They made a lot of improvement. They're very proud of all they invested yep. in it yeah. and so on. And it's, I, hey, it's fine I by me. It's, it's fine by me, you it's, know. It's not my favorite building in the world, but it's I see no reason to replace that anytime soon. Well, the Sixers would counter and say the facilities there are not up to snuff for an NBA team. Well, and I would counter and say the facilities there aren't ones in which you make the most money you can, so I get it. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, that's what it's about. All right, there you go. Good stuff. Read Mike's column. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we talk with our pal Ricky Ricardo, and we will look forward to talking to you. Hey, fall is upon us. It is that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors because another cold winter season, <laughs> it's on its way. When I need a, co- a company to help me with these home projects, I turn to the experts, the great people at Guide a Door and Window, Act now, receive 20% off all windows and doors, plus Guida will help allow will allow you to start your project today with no money out of pocket and take up to three years to pay it off interest-free once the job is expertly installed. So you'll be able to start enjoying all the benefits of new highly energy-efficient windows and doors, including an increased comfort level in your home and lower your monthly payment bills and take advantage of 20% savings and have the luxury of paying off your project with 0% interest for up to 36 months great combination of factors here gotta act now offers a limited time only restrictions apply for full details call guida today to schedule a free no obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com that's go g-u-i-d-a.com Judge, batazo profundo por el izquierdo, olvídala, Exa se va, se va, se fue, la número 61 se fue, muévase un poquito Roger Maris, hay otro que se quiere sentar en la mesa, el juez Aaron Judge, culpable de empatar el récord de los Yankees, de empatar el récord de la Liga Americana. Llegó norte de la frontera, Aaron Judge, el número 61. All right, Mike Sielski. Uh It's been a lot of years since I took high school Spanish. So I I got about half of that. Yeah. I, número I, 61. Yes. Got I, that part. I got Aaron Judge. <laughs> Roger Maris? <laughs> yes. Okay. And I, I got some of it, right? Uh, the, the American League. But here's what I got. 
it was a brilliant call. The excitement we talked earlier about Scott Fransky being in the moment mm-hmm. and those big calls and Vin Scully being in the moment. You know who's in the moment in the big calls? Our next guest. Our next guest, one Ricky Ricardo, who is nice enough to join us today. Rick, that call of Aaron Judge's 61st home run, again, I, you know, my, my Spanish is not what it <laughs> once was. I got about half a – it was brilliant. Uh, you, were, you were magnificent. Magnif- you. you were magnifico. Thank you, Glenn. Mike, uh, it was a heck of a moment. I enjoyed it. It couldn't happen to a better guy than Aaron Judge, believe you me. Uh, what you missed, let me see, what did you miss, Glenn? You missed, I said, it happens north of the border, norte de la frontera. Okay. Uh, we tied the, I, I say in there it ties the Yankee record, it ties the American League record. And basically the angle was move over, Roger Maris, someone else needs to sit at the table with you for now. And his name is Aaron Judge, who is guilty of tying the record. Culpable, guilty of that's a little judge. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I got, you, got the, you got a little play on words. It, w- yeah. it was great. Um, for those who don't know, Rick uh, Ricky Ricardo is the Spanish. I said it earlier. Spanish language voice of the Yankees and also the Eagles. Let's let, let's first talk about the, that Judge moment and, and what it means. Yeah, Rick, put this into context for Philadelphia baseball fans, if you can. What does this mean? To the Yankees and the franchise, um, given all the history of that franchise with respect to Maris and Babe Ruth, et cetera, et cetera, and then Major League Baseball as a whole. Well, number one, a lot of people, including Roger Maris Jr., who's been along for the ride at each and every game when Judge got to about 58, 59, there are a lot, I was stunned by this, guys, but there are a lot of people that consider this to be the legitimate, real home run record. They put aside the Bonds number. They put aside the McGuire and the Sosa, you know, home run totals as being stained by the steroid era. Yeah, I'm kind of – by the way, I'm kind of with them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, Glenn, you're, you, are, you are part of a growing portion of baseball fans that are coming out now and saying, this is the real deal. And, and to have Roger Maris – remember when McGuire was hitting all those home runs, he was attached at the hip to the Maris family. We saw it right in front of our eyes on television you know, with cut-ins every night on all the networks. And now Roger Maris Jr., who's here every night, has come out publicly and said, you know, I'm not breaking any news here. He was asked by the media the other night, and he said that he considers this to be the legitimate home run record. Now, obviously the Yankees with all the championships and all the, the history, the lore, you know, Judge has done something now that Babe Ruth, didn't do. Babe Ruth, who owns every record of, I was at the Yankee Museum yesterday by chance, and Babe Ruth owns just about all the offensive records of the history of the Yankees. It's a batting average, RBI, everything. OPS, it's all Babe Ruth. Mm-hmm. This is something that even the Bambino yeah. never mm. did. You know, So here's Roger Maris, who wore number nine, played right field. Here's Aaron Judge, who wears number 99, yep. and also plays right field. Uh, there's a lot of similarities between the two guys. It happened, you know, basically 61 years ago. It was 1961, so 61 years ago. You know, the uh, the, the numerations here, the, the way they, the numerologists look at this thing is also very, very interesting, uh, the way that this has happened. And look, when it finally gets broken here, and who knows whether we'll be able to play today or tomorrow, there's only two home games left uh, here at Yankee Stadium, and then we go to Texas for four games, including a doubleheader on Tuesday. But at whatever point, Judge, 
uh, does break this record. I, I think the big headline out of this, guys, is how many people are going to begin a very serious debate on whether this is the legit record. I Listen, I agree. And one more thing about this, and then I want to talk to you about the Eagles. Um, mm-hmm. it, it didn't get the national attention that it would have once upon a time, uh, nor did Albert Pujols hitting 700 home runs. Just kind of your observation on, um, and listen, I know you're in the middle of it, so your excitement was palpable as it should be, but it it didn't become the national story that maybe it should have. Um, I guess I'm saying that and asking if you would agree or disagree. Well, I agree, and, and I think it starts with the fact, Glenn, that outside of guys like you, Mike, who's on top of all the sports that are going on myself, nationally, baseball in general is not a headline. Uh, none of the big you know, debate shows on, on the four-letter network or on Fox, or, nobody talks about baseball anymore. You, they, I hear more conversation about LeBron James than I do about Aaron Judge getting close to breaking a big baseball I hear more record. about LeBron's son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, baseball has kind of fallen off uh, of the front pages, per se, uh, of a lot of sports media lately. So uh, I, I think as compared to when it was making a comeback post the strike in the, in the mid to late 90s and, you know, when McGuire and Sosa were, were chasing the, the original Maris 61 I, I still think back then baseball had a bigger piece of Americana. I think the National Football League is just so, so big. The headlines in the NBA, which are now year-round, have really just soaked up a lot of the enthusiasm. You know, you mentioned Albert Pujols. He's only, what, the fourth guy ever to hit 700 home runs. Hit one last night, 701. And even that has kind of flown under the radar. Yep. So I, I agree with you, Glenn. I think it's a shame. But baseball, to a certain extent, has become a niche sport, a la hockey. And I'm as big a hockey lover as, as you guys are. But those are two sports that are not, you know, in the in the pantheon of, of everyone's morning, you know, coffee anymore, as is the NFL and the NBA. So I think that has a lot to do with the fact that baseball records, as cherished as they are, and baseball is the sport that cherishes its records more than anyone else, but it's kind of on the back burner of, uh, of the front of mind of the sports fan. Ricky, let's shift gears uh, and talk about tomorrow's Eagles-Jaguars game. Mm-hmm. What do you make of the Jaguars so far under Doug Peterson? Um, and what do you think the atmosphere will be like there tomorrow? I think Doug Peterson's return, per se, will be night and day different as the Carson Wentz reunion that we saw (laughs) last week. Uh, I'll I'll start with that. Look, there's not a negative word that can be said about Doug Peterson, I don't think, uh, unless you really, you know, go through layers and try to nitpick. But Doug Peterson brought this franchise its greatest moment ever as its head coach. Uh, The parting of the ways, Mike, you can speak to this, and Glenn, you guys can speak to this even more than I can, of of just all the, the ins and outs of what caused the end of the Peterson uh, Eagle relationship and how that all worked out. But number one, I think the fans will welcome him with open arms. And as far as the Jaguars, this team has started to reload. Remember, they were in the AFC championship game the same year that the Eagles beat Minnesota, and they had a 20-10 to 10 lead in the fourth quarter against the Patriots that year with Blake Bortles at <laughs> yeah. quarterback. Yeah, 
Yeah. If they don't choke that lead away, that Eagle Super Bowl in Minnesota would have been against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, they took a, a turn to you know for the worst since then, but now they're starting to bounce back. They've got a lot of young talent. I think you know the the Urban Meyer debacle last year may have uh, set back Trevor Lawrence's development a little bit, the entire franchise's development a little bit. But I think Doug Peterson is doing a marvelous job with a very, very talented group of young players who should have beat the Commanders in Week 1 and really should be coming into this game also with a record of 3-0. and I take this team very, very seriously. I kind of look at it as a possible trap game if the Eagles are starting to read their mm. own clippings. I look at it as, I look at it as a trap game for the Jags, actually. Uh, well, if that makes any sense. I do. After that big win last week, them going back on the road, I think, is tough. I want to play one thing because we played Ricky's Aaron Judge uh, cut, uh, which was brilliant. This is Rick last weekend. Quedan dos segundos. Queda un segundo. Hurts con el, el balón, el pase. Touchdown! Touchdown, Devontae Smith! En la esquina! Oh, otra jugada magnífica, Devontae Smith dando el salto en la esquina del end zone. Devontae Smith, tómale la foto y los Eagles anotan con cero en el reloj. Oh, otra recepción increíble de Devontae Smith. Rick, if you could, moving forward, try to pick up the enthusiasm just a little bit. It's it's uh, it's rough to listen to you, Rick. No, no excitement at all. You, should I have decaf? Before the game, no, no, you should not. You should do exactly what you're doing, and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to, pleasure to listen that, to you with both. You that got was it. a tremendous play, and it was right under you know in, in Washington. Our booths are in the corner. Yeah, of the oh, yeah. I've heard Merrill mention that once or twice. Yeah, and, and I'm right next to Merrill in, in at FedEx Field, and that play happened right in that corner of the end zone, right below us. So you get a really good up close view of just how difficult that catch was by Devontae Smith, who has just turned it on after being a non-factor in Week One. Look, it all depends on whether Judge breaks this record today, whether I'll be able to call tomorrow's game. I can't be in two places at the same time. Yeah. And the Yankee organization has kind of hinted to me, uh, you know, we really do want the 62 to be your voice and not some fill-in that comes in for you. Uh, I appreciate wow. that. Yeah. Uh, listen, yeah. and you you're, you have the opportunity to see history. But you get you, listen, you get to call the Eagles into the playoffs this year, no problem. I, I, uh, yeah, there's plenty of Eagles left to go. You're right. One last question before we go, and I just want to close with Judge. Um, what do you think happens after this year? Ooh, you know, that's interesting because, you know, here comes a kid out of a little farm town, Linden, California, a little farming community in Northern California, grew up a Giants fan, grew up a Barry Bonds fan. He, now, he, you know, if you ask mm -hmm. Judge, he'll tell you, no, the record is 73 because he grew up watching you know, that, that tremendous run that Barry had as a San Francisco Giant. He bet on himself after turning down the 221, whatever, however many it was, million-dollar offer that the Yankees made him on opening day of all days. Yeah. Uh, and he is he's, he might win the Triple Crown on top of the, uh, you know, setting these home run records. He's, you know, within a couple of points of, uh, of a rise leading the American League. So, uh we don't know. He's going to test free agency. Now, the Yankees will have, what, it's about a three, four-day window, guys, that, yes. the, that the team that, that you're playing with has for exclusive negotiations right after the World Series, but it's no more than four or five days at the most. So if they don't get something done, uh, number one, there'll be a tremendous fan revolt here. He is the face of this franchise. He is to this era 
what yeah. Derek Jeter was sure. to, the, yeah. to, the, to the late 90s, early 2000s. That's what Judge is to this group of Yankee fans. So I, I don't think the Yankees and Brian Cashman will be foolish enough to let him slip through their hands. I think he will sign a very, very, very hefty contract, whether it's Mike Trout range money, who knows. But he will stay a Yankee. I think he will spend his whole year, uh, his whole career uh, as a Yankee. Uh, but, you know, it might be treacherous between the time that the World Series ends and, and then he finally puts his name on the dotted line. It's really going to be interesting because if you know anything about Yankees history, and I know you do, Ricky, you remember, you know, Brian Cashman went toe-to-toe with Derek Jeter, <laughs> you know, when, when Jeter's contract expired, and that was toward the end of his career. It was really... It was up in the air at the time. You're talking 2010, 2011, that that Jeter wouldn't finish his career with the Yankees. Um, so it's it's going to be, I think, the story of the offseason in Major League Baseball. He, he told Jeter back then, go out, get your best offer, and come back to me with your best offer. And who knows? Uh, you know, it, it are, Is it the Giants? Is it Gabe Kapler's Giants that make Judge a tremendous offer and, and maybe overpay him you know, to bring that big of a name to that organization? I don't know what negotiation yeah. tactic the Yankees are going to take with Judge. I just know that they, they damn sure better re-sign the guy because he is adored in this town. Well, as he should be. And, Rick, you are adored as a broadcaster. Haven't seen you in a while. Uh, one of these days we'll share a beer, my friend. Absolutely. All right. Be well, Rick. Thanks so much for Th- the time. Thanks, Ricky. Thank you, guys. All right. See you. See you later. Great guy. Yeah, tremendous guy. I would be surprised if Judge signed with the Giants only because of that ballpark. And those conditions, like his numbers aren't going to be as good Mm -hmm. playing in San Francisco 81 games a year as they would be at Yankee Stadium. Good pernt. Mike Sielski, where are you going this afternoon? Oh, I have a uh, cool event in Collingswood, New Jersey. I'm going to the Collingswood Book Festival to talk about the rise, Kobe Bryant and the pursuit of immortality. So as soon as we finish up here, be heading to South Jersey. Right. How about you? What do you got going on? Uh, what do I have going on? I am uh, going home and laying out uh, tomorrow's pregame show, and then tonight I am going to watch, uh, my taking my wife to see the play Something Rotten at the Swarthmore Players Club. Ah, very nice. And by the culture. way, uh, just to let you know, three weeks from now, there's another play at the Swarthmore Players Club, as long as we're uh, doing endorsements for ourselves. I, I have heard. Uh, the play clue, the hilarious play clue, based on the hilarious movie clue, is opening up on uh, October 21st at the Swarthmore Players Club. And I am Colonel Mustard, my friend. Let, let me tell you Which something, you Glenn. Can, yeah, go ahead. No, I just, it, clue is one of my, I have two sons, Evan mm-hmm. and Gabe, who mm-hmm. are 11 and 8, and it is one of their favorite movies. They watch it, I'm talking once a week they watch it. Um, I don't think they get all the jokes, but they they. Love it nonetheless, and we are looking forward to seeing the show. I appreciate that, and as you can see now, I shaved off my beard you and did. kept the mustache. Because <laughs> they take the publicity photos the other day, and Colonel Mustard has a bushy mustache and no beard. So, Well, we, you've gone from bushy to creepy, I have to say. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> I little... hope it's bushy by the time the play opens. Uh, well, no, I, sh- yeah, I shaved it down after that. But nonetheless, you can get tickets for that at pcstheater.org, and I hope to see everybody out there. 215-592-9494. We're uh, going to noon and then leading off and then Phillies baseball. Phillies at Washington. Looking like they're going to they're gonna at least try to get this thing going at 1 o'clock. Hey, for most business people, a meeting with their banker can be a trip to the dentist. Oh, my. But talk to Meridian customers. You know what? You get a different story. Their business lenders come at things from your point of view, and they bring a ton of useful guidance and advice, mostly they're a genuinely fun group. I speak from personal experience. 
Hey, the word is getting out. If you'd like to take the stress out of your business banking, Meridian is the go-to bank. Check them out at meridianbanker.com. With the grain, and down he goes. Slung down in his own 48-yard line. Josh Tupu. And, uh-oh. Well, we saw last week, and he went down. He got up. was wobbly. The training staff comes out. And, and, and Al Tupo slams him to the ground. I mean, it, it's... With serious force, he goes down. Right, and right as he goes down, you could see both his hands. You, you just get right away, you get concerned. They're bringing a stretcher out. All right, well, uh, that was what uh, everybody saw either Thursday night or has seen since then, which is the Miami Dolphins' young quarterback, Tua Tagliavola, uh, just getting slammed to the ground, as they said, and... Um, Leaving the game with what seems to be a serious injury, we are joined, as always at this time, by one of our doctors from Cooper Bone and Joint, Dr. Mark Pollard, is with us. Hey, Doc, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Good. So I'm sure at this point you've seen, um, Tua, the, the, the film of that tackle and that event, and um, the thing that I've never seen before was kind of the posturing of his of his hands, of his arms twitching which, again, I'm not a doctor, but that certainly would seem to be neurological, correct? Yeah. Um, when you have, like, a significant, uh, you know, brain uh, disruption, uh, there's a couple of kind of predictable patterns of kind of reactions and contractions that the body can take. And so, you know, that that kind of response is usually indicative of, a, you know, a, not an insignificant uh, brain event. Um I don't know if you saw the previous game that, that Tua played, Doctor, but the, one of the underlying problems and concerns with the hit he took Thursday night was the idea, A, that he had played four days earlier in a game, and B, he had taken a significant hit in that game that some people thought was also head-related. The, the Dolphins insisted it wasn't. It was a back injury. Did, did you see that previous hit, and what do you make of kind of the one-two punch of those those two events yeah i mean it's uh, i guess on the surface it's concerning um you know i i saw some of it I, i'll admit i didn't see the full footage of the the first injury i guess which was last sunday but essentially i think he took a, a significant hit his you could see his head hit the ground and then he you know got up and couldn't keep it together to you know jog up to the line you know kind of mm-hmm. looked like he was having a tough time keeping his balance and standing and you know, one of the difficulties with head injuries in general, concussions in specific, is that there is no diagnostic study or test for a concussion. Essentially, it's symptoms that follow an event. So if you have neurologic symptoms following a you know, head trauma event, by definition, that would be a concussion. Um, I know that, you know, there's some, you know, you'd like to think there isn't, but there probably is some gamesmanship, you know, mm-hmm. with the teams and so forth as far as saying, no, it's a back injury. Um, you know, things like that so that it doesn't get put put into that category. But I think, was it Sean Bradley, the Eagles linebacker, a few years ago? It was, and that was one of the reasons that the NFL started this independent uh, yeah. observers, yeah. the guys with the red hats that are supposed to flag those kind of things and pull them from the games. But it was almost the exact same situation where, you know, Sean, that Sean Bradley couldn't get off the field and then a couple plays later was back in. And the danger is that uh, when you have a concussion for a period of time afterwards, 
if you have a second event or a second injury, there can be a cascade of events that happen that that can be actually catastrophic. Um, I believe it's called the second hit syndrome. So it's really kind of playing a dangerous game, uh, trying to rush people back in after these head injuries. Although, admittedly, there's probably more than that we don't know than we do about these things. But certainly, everybody appreciates we need to you know be careful with them. Yeah, this is a very frightening thing. Last thing for me, which is as they flew home, his coach Josh McDaniel. So that he and Tua sat together on the plane and watched the movie MacGruber during the flight home, and the Tua laughed throughout. Uh, Doc, I know there have been studies, medical studies, I know this well, that say that if you have a concussion, screen time is a bad idea. you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, the best available information now is that they you know, recommend brain rest, for lack of a better term, you know, just you know, not actively, you know, following anything or thinking about anything um, to the point that um, you know, most of the time when, uh, you know, somebody is identified that has a concussion, they're supposed to be sent to a dark room, um, you know, uh, without any stimulus, just, you know, to give the brain rest, kind of like if a muscle is hurt, you know, want to give the muscle rest to be able to heal up. Um, and so <laughs> watching a movie <laughs> as brainless as it may be, is probably not <laughs> brain rest. Yes. And, Doc, if I, I'm going to brag here, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. that's That study that was in the Journal of the American Medical Association that recommended avoiding screen time after concussion. Do you know who the lead doctor on that was? I do not. It was my son. Ah, congratulations. Thank that's you. Great. Yeah. Just came out last September. So <laughs> there you go. That's my bragging. Doc, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. Pleasure is mine. Thanks, All right, we'll talk to you Thank soon. you, doctor. There you go. Yeah, you know, th this is a topic I've written about a lot for the Inquirer, mm -hmm. um, and I think number one, kudos to to Teddy for working on that that study and and you know, kind of conclusively showing what. Yeah, I know that was kind of obnoxious of me. But that's okay. It's it's worth mentioning. You know, he did that, and I was proud of it, um, and it was relevant. Yeah, but but this keeps happening over and over again, and you listen to Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach. You know, talk oh, I said, about. I call him Josh McDaniel. That's Mike, right. We were talking. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, it was Stuart Bradley, the Eagles linebacker, uh, who had that incident where he was, you know, staggering off the field that yeah. led to the yeah, the protocols. It's just, you know, and I wonder. I, I think in situations like this, we say, well, how do we stop it? Right? How, how do how do you not allow situations like this to happen? But we all love football. I mean, we kept watching the we, game. We do, and and these players. You can say they want to be. You have to save them from themselves, you but do. they have the information too. You know, know. They, they are adults. It's it's so complex it, and it's it so is, it is very complex. And that you know, they set up this, for lack of a better word, neutral doctor, yeah, independent doctor, to be the one out there that says you got to get off the field because the whole concept of team doctors is. They've got to split loyalty. Yeah. They want to protect their patient, but they also want the team to win. And their employment with the team kind of depends mm -hmm. to some extent on getting players back on the field. So the league set up this independent doctor, which seemed to me to be the right answer. It could just be the, the independent doctor last week blew it. Right. I don't know. They're Nobody investigating yeah. it. Yeah. But what uh, Dr. Pollard just told us about, what do you say, second whatever syndrome? Mm -hmm. Second hit syndrome? Second hit syndrome, yeah. That's I mean, scary. You know, and, and I think he used the word catastrophic. Yeah. Potentially catastrophic. You know, you, you really worry for Tua. The, the, the incident or episode or person I always think of in situations like this is Keith Primo, 
who yeah, yeah. played the postseason of his life in 2004 for the Flyers yep. with post-concussion syn- syndrome and symptoms, came back after the lockout and played, I think, six or seven games, took another hit, and his career was finished. Talked to him. I uh, remember had him on the show uh, a couple times. He talked about how he couldn't get on a plane. Yeah. He would get on a plane. The altitude would just set it off, these horrible headaches. Mm-hmm. You know, his his life was just so horribly impacted. Great guy, by the way. Yeah, terrific guy. All right, 215-592-9494. Matt Newholland, hang in there. We will get you coming up because coming up, we are going to leading off because the Phillies are playing the Washington Nationals today. We think they're going to start <laughs> 1 o'clock. We'll see how far they get. My advice, get the early lead. Be leading in the fifth inning. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Another, another first inning home run by Reese Hoskins wouldn't be a bad thing for that All team. All right. Actually, before we hit the break, Kyle Quinn, you got to tell us who was the best caller of the day. Yeah, it's a little bit of a thin pool to choose from today, but I did like Chris's call at the beginning of the show here. He had an interesting question about the run defense, and he managed to work in a Leonard yes. Weaver reference <laughs> into the yes. phone call, so I That's think a that good call. the scale for me. Congratulations to Chris from Clinton, New Jersey, winning $50 gift card to shy vintage sports where there's a story in every stitch visit the new uh, location in wayne on lancaster avenue or check them out at shivesports.com mike sealski glenn mack now coming up to leading off hey fall is upon us it's that time of year again to start consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before another cold winter season rolls in i've listen i've been dealing with guided door and window for a long time Whenever I have a home project, I turn to the experts at Guida. Act now. You receive 20% off all windows and doors. Plus, Guida will allow you to start your project today with no money out of pocket. Take up to three years to pay it off interest-free once the job is expertly installed. So you'll be able to start enjoying all the benefits of new, highly energy-efficient windows and doors, including an increased comfort level of your home and lower monthly energy bills, all while taking advantage of 20% savings and having the luxury of paying your project off with 0% interest for up to 36 months. But you got to act now. Offers for limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one 877 Guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 